Hello and welcome to Plot Trist. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing Along Came a Duke by Elizabeth Boyle. This was published in 2012 and is the first in the Rhymes with Love series. I did not realize how old this was when I read it. Yeah, I don't know. It feels feels very fresh, right? (laughs) Honestly, yeah. I think I just really like Elizabeth Boyle. I'm enjoying discovering her through the podcast. Yeah, I, I, she's one of my, one of my longtime favorites. So it makes me happy that you really like her. Do we, does she have any like newer series coming out anytime soon? So this is her most recent series. Um, Okay. I know, well, from following her on social media, she has said that she is, she does have a new book that she's going to be publishing soon, but this series was her most recently published. How many books are in it? Oh, there are like six, maybe. Okay, because I was going to say at least three, based on what this book sets up. No, there are definitely, because there's this one, yeah, those three plus the twins, plus um, Chance, so six. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Okay, yeah, I'm looking. So it looks like her last book was published in 2017. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, I eagerly anticipate the next one. I know. I know. I'm really looking forward to it myself. But (sighs) all right. Shall we read the book jacket? We shall. A young lady with a fortune is subject to all sorts of untoward attentions by the worst sort of vagrants, Aunt Allegra. A lesson Tabitha Timmons, a penniless spinster, has never needed to heed. That is, until she has left a vast fortune payable only upon her marriage to the very respectable Mr. Barkworth, a match that offers little chance of discovering exactly what her aunt means by untoward attentions. But the same can't be said when the Duke of Preston happens along Tabitha's path. He spies a rebellious streak in her that matches his own, and he makes it his mission to save her from such a passionless match, interfering with her life at every turn. All too soon, Preston, whose very name spells ruin, has Tabitha caught between the good fortune that guarantees her security and his kiss, which promises an entirely different kind of happily ever after. It's a fun jacket. It's a fun jacket. I have very, I think you really get a sense of what you're going to get when you read the book. So I approve of this book jacket. Yeah, I think it doesn't touch on his conflict, but his conflict isn't actually that big of a deal anyway, so I don't particularly care. Mm-hmm. I mean, the big thing is her, her conflict, yeah. Right. So, as usual, we generated a random number and wrote our own summaries. This week, the random number was 40. And I'm going to warn all of our listeners right now that Meg's is one giant spoiler for, like, the end of the book. (laughs) Is it? Is it? Yes. Okay. (laughs) So, anyone who really wants to avoid spoilers, I'd fast forward, like, two minutes. Sorry, guys. So, my summary. Preston's been told he must marry to repair his scandalous reputation, which is complicated by his infatuation with a vicar's daughter. 
when she's betrothed to an idiot because her family hates her and wants her money, continued ruination is necessary. Okay, and I guess now is the moment where you guys can skip 30 seconds in the future. Here's mine. Tabitha inherits a fortune, but only by marrying an awful, though good-looking, boar. Can she get him to cry off? Maybe if he surprises her in a footman's closet with the hottest duke in town, he'll do just that. You really captured the spirit of the book, <laughs> along with some significant plot points. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. As you can tell, I think from the way we're talking about the book and our summaries, we really thought this was a fun romp. Oh, it's absolutely super fun. It's relatively short and just every page I think is, is just fun. There wasn't anything where I was like, ugh, you know, I kind of have to get through this exposition or get through this boring part to get to the fun part. The entire thing was fun, in my opinion. Well, and for all that the book sets up a lot of the subsequent books in the series, pretty obviously, you were never in scenes with just those characters, like laying the groundwork. It was always relevant to this plot. So I really yeah. appreciate like you got a sense of their rich exterior lives beyond one another, but not at the expense of like this book's narrative. Absolutely. Um, so, so what are some of the tropes we're going to find? Uh, as you heard from the jacket and both of our summaries, she is an unexpected heiress. Yes. And the terms of that unexpected inheritance are through a very complicated will of which her betrothal is a part. And I think we have seen complicated wills and betrothals tied up in wills several times on this podcast. Oh, absolutely. I, I think it, it must have just been a Regency tradition to have complicated. <laughs> <laughs> they are both sad, tragic orphans. Yeah, so she lost her mother very young to a sweating sickness, and in the same sweating sickness, he lost his entire family and all servants. And yeah, it reminded me of, uh, what was that book we read for a book club? Um, the, the science fiction post-apocalyptic book that we Station read. 11. Station yes. 11. Station 11, you remember when <laughs> they would go to a house and just like they would find the whole family dead in their beds because they just died from, you know, from the beginning of the night to the end. Yep. So, yeah, he, uh, he had a very traumatic experience in that regard. And then her father is more recently deceased. But she's ended up in a Cinderella scenario where she's been taken in by distant relatives who basically use her as free labor. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I liked about the use of this trope is that they both came from happy families. So mm -hmm. they're sad, tragic orphans because their families were loving. And so they lost loving families. Um, I feel like in many historical romances, at least one of them has just horrible family life. And yes, as Lane said, she is currently living in you know a Cinderella situation. So not a great you know, home life, but it's only been in the past couple of years. 
Right. And he has it even better in the sense that like he was found by a loving grandfather and raised alongside his grandfather's children who were his aunts and uncles, but who are his same age. Which I also loved. I loved this little twist on it. I thought it was so great, Lane. Oh, me too. And I actually know several people like in real life who have aunts and uncles there or are aunts and uncles with nieces and nephews their own age. Yeah. So I think it's a fun spin on like having to explain that relationship all the time to people who aren't in the know because it does strike everyone as odd. Yes, it's, it's, there's a moment where he appears at a, Preston appears at a ball with his aunt Henrietta and um, Tabitha is super jealous because Hen is, is gorgeous, of course, right? And someone's like, it's his aunt. And she's like, wait, what? You know? <laughs> and it's very minor, but... Oh, God, I'm blanking on her name. Jeez Louise. Tabitha. Tabitha does have a few traditional romance trope insecurities tied to being from the country and not being a city person with all of their refined manners. Yeah. It's not a major plot point or anything, but she's, like, never been to London before this book. All those good things. Yeah. Uh, there is, they, they, this is insta-love. They fall in love from the moment they really have an actual conversation with each other. I really liked it, though. And as Meg mentioned, this book is relatively short. I think it comes down to 16 chapters, and which obviously chapters can be a varying length, but I, three or four of those chapters are of the night that they really get to know each other. So I think I was yeah. able to buy the insta-love because like a solid quarter of the book was spent really getting you in both of their heads on that night. Yeah. And getting why like they were responding to one another differently than they ever responded to anyone else. Oh, I, I totally believed it too. And I can get frustrated when there is this sort of instant connection, but I, I don't know. I really did believe it. Oh, well, also, you know, this is a this is a this is a fairy tale ish story. Like that's what that's the whole point of it. It's called Rhymes with Love, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not a direct retelling of a fairy tale, but it has that whimsical element to it. Absolutely, and I think the other thing is, you know, obviously when you're reading a book, the author might make you aware of passage of time, but on the whole, what matters is the amount of pages you read and scenes you read where the main couple really seems to be jiving in a unique way and so yes all of this is in one night and I understand that if I'm looking at this from a realist perspective that changes things but the reality is I feel like I got more of their flirtation conversation and mutual understanding in this relatively short novel that took place in one night than I have in plenty of other romance novels where theoretically the action happened over weeks Absolutely. So Preston gives her a nickname. It's a private nickname. No one else calls her that. And of course, she she says, oh, I don't like it. It's a terrible nickname, but you know she really loves it. I will say, and this is, I put it in trigger warnings because I didn't know what else to do with it. I hated Mm -hmm. his nickname of her nickname very much. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I didn't care. <laughs> so he short he shortens her. It's so fucking weird. So he shortens her name to Tabby. And there's all of these like parallels to cats. 
So when, especially in erotic scenes, he calls her puss. <laughs> and I could have yeah. done without that. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's a Regency thing, you know? I, I don't care. <laughs> and like I get that Elizabeth Boyle did a really good job in this trying to use traditional Regency words for things and like I had to google what a when was w-e-n yes I, I just I'd never seen it before and I was like what are they talking about it's a cyst but I was like okay cool back then they would have called it a when like it says a disambiguation of the word like this is when it was used and I was like oh cool I'm glad she was picking those vocabulary but the thing is puss does have a modern connotation and I hate it <laughs> sure. So she lives in a village of spinsters. Yes, I think this is going to be sort of the the overarching um, connection between the books and rhymes with love is that they all come from this cursed village where there hasn't been a marriage between a woman from this village for I don't know how many years a successful marriage I should say. Because the, the most recent marriage ended in uh, murder and uh, institutionalization with one of the other people in the couple. And I yeah, know I shouldn't be laughing, but you know. It was, <laughs> very it was really well done. Yeah. There are obvious parallels up here, obviously, to Tessa Derrick's Bill Cove series. But it is different in that like, it's not known as a respite for women. It's no. just that it's such a backwater town that, like, all the eligible men who can get the hell out of Dodge the second they can. Yes. And it seems like there's a lot of mid-level gentry. Like, some people have good name, well-connected, some estates and whatnot, but not to the level of society that would require or that would enable them to be, like, dowry. Yeah. This is something I feel like Elizabeth Boyle does really well in several of her novels, actually. This was in um, the the novella that we covered, um, The Matchmaker's Bargain. They were, they had a, there was a village that had a special, that had a curse. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but she does a good job with the the village society, you know? Oh, absolutely. And I think in the same way we rave about certain authors doing family dynamics very well. I think Elizabeth Boyle does like wider social dynamics really well. Yeah. Yeah. And we said it's a village of spinsters, but she, it's a village with a lot of young women of about the same age and they're all friends in a, I would say pretty authentic way, which, which I liked too. You know, it's really nice to have female friends. I feel like. Well, and they also did a good job of being supportive of one another without being mind readers of one another. I don't know a better way to put it, but I think a lot of times when you see female friendships positively depicted in romance novels, Mm -hmm. the way they interact with one another is often, we will do whatever you want. We are here for you regardless. And I love that. And that positivity is great. But her friends here... One of them thinks she is making a huge mistake and is going behind her back to, like, investigate other options. And the other is, like, sort of dismissing her criticisms or potential worries mm-hmm. in of you're criticizing it before you understand it. That said, like, obviously, they're totally there for her and supportive of her and don't turn their back on her and ultimately support her in what she decides. But it's mm-hmm. not just this giant, like, self-reinforcement circle. 
which I think is yeah. a little bit more authentic, which is why I said she did such a good job of like developing these secondary characters in a way that didn't sacrifice the main plot. Exactly. Exactly. I loved it. Mm-hmm. So there is a makeover. She's now yeah. an heiress. Goes to town and she gets to buy all these clothes, but there is a little mm-hmm. twist. Right. And basically, it's she's not unattractive at first. It's not like some big transformation. It's not like people don't recognize her. It's not made a big deal that, oh, this is the first time in her life she's seen herself like this. But the dress they put her in is like head turning scandalously new. Yes. And so it's less of a, oh, my God, she's actually pretty or like, oh, my God, she cleans up so nice and more of a like, oh, so you're making a statement. Yes. And I thought it was really fun. I agree. I loved it. And I I actually really like Preston's reaction, too. Mm -hmm. When he meets her, it's very much you. There is a slight sense of, oh, you're not like other girls. Right. He doesn't want her, it's not just her personality, it's also her looks because she's kind of dowdy, you know, she's a vicar's daughter and also her aunt and uncle have not spent any money on her recently, so she's not well-dressed. And when he first sees her in this new outfit, he thinks, oh no, they've they've changed her, they've made her into the society girl. Um, And then he realizes, oh, actually she's just the same person. And so it's not that she's, She's not like other girls. It just happens that she's really compatible with him, you know? I took that very differently. I didn't read it as not like the other girls at all. I read it as the trope that he's being treated like by, like a real person for the first time in his life. Yeah, that. I mean, that was a big part of it, yes. That, like, people are afraid of talking down to him or criticizing him or being honest with him. Young women in particular who are trying to throw themselves in their faces or having their mothers throw them in his face over, like, a potential match. And so I think, for me, it was less she was exceptional and more the situational was exceptional for him who is used to being deferred to. Yes. Uh, I I think he comes to realize that that's what it is. Mm-hmm. But he has these he had these parts and that's why i'm saying i think i liked it because he at first he was like oh they're gonna change her she she can't come to london she's gonna get corrupted and be like the other catty girls you know right but for the record he never thinks catty girls i want to be clear like had this book gone there i would not have liked it no no to be clear no he does not think that (laughs) he's just thinking about tabitha yes um, he has a marriage-minded aunt, but as we said, the twist with that one is that she's six months older than him and real hot. <laughs> it's so good. I love him. And I love that her name is Henrietta. He has twin, a twin on an uncle, Henrietta and Henry. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I laughed so hard. Loved it. Loved it. And then he comes from a notorious family of scoundrels. So even though they are dukes of the most ancient pedigree, they have been a walking scandal for generations. And his recent behavior has finally gone too far. Yes, yes. And this is the reason why Hen wants him to get married is because he, okay, so this is something that I think I would have hated in a more serious book. But because mm-hmm. this whimsical and so much fun, I didn't hate it at all. 
he has apparently ruined six women this year. Yes, I laughed very hard. I was a little bit worried initially, and then they do go into some detail of exactly what that ruination involved. Yes. And it was less, he was less terrible than I was fearing. Well, and it, it was so funny because, his, so his aunt, Hen, is like, what are you, I can't believe you did this. And he said, she said, why did you even go out on the balcony with that girl? And he was like, I wanted some fresh air. And she goes, you didn't think she would kiss you? And he was like, well, you know, I thought she might, but who cares? <laughs> but that's it's sort of the other trope that he he's not going to be forced into anything that he doesn't want to do. Yes. Two, which... Uh, you know, we all like that in a hero, right? We we want him, and it makes the difference between him and the other girls and him and Tabitha together, right? So it makes his behavior, although the behavior is the same, the motivation is different. Right. I mean, he's definitely the rake whose life is upended when he finally meets the one trope, which is just the genre in general. So it's not even yeah. I was gonna say if you don't like that trope then you must hate romance novels I'm very sorry but uh yeah she's I, I really liked their dynamics and once again this is a conversation we have every friggin time we review like a bad boy rake but Elizabeth Boyle both because of the tone of the book and just because of her own talent at her craft did a good job of making him definitely notorious but not like irredeemable mm-hmm He's definitely the the rake who is is out to have fun mm-hmm. and doesn't necessarily think of the consequences to himself or to other people. Right. And, and he, one of the examples at the very beginning of the book is he enters into a carriage race with someone and the wagers combine with the race itself end up basically bankrupting the other person. Mm-hmm. And his attitude with that is he shouldn't have gambled money he didn't have. His attitude with the girls are if they didn't want to get ruined, they shouldn't have come out on the balcony. Yeah. And it's like you understand both sides of it. You understand, like, why he's been so reckless and how he's been able to be so inconsiderate. And you understand everyone else looking at him like you are responsible for your actions. Grow up. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and I I do think you see him grow up in 16 brief chapters. You do yes. get the that he is growing up and it's, it's very enjoyable. I mean, they both do. It's a really <laughs> well-crafted book. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so the main conflict in this book is that Tabitha inherits a lot of fortune but in order to get access to it she has to marry someone not of her choosing he is the heir presumptive to a marquisite uh and his name is mr barkworth and his name specifically is in the uncle's will it's not just she has to get married before her 25th birthday which oh by the way is in four weeks trope yeah she has to marry him in particular, or so she has been told by her family. Yeah, so she's got to marry Mr. Barkworth uh, before she's 25. Mm-hmm. And if she doesn't, then she doesn't get the fortune. And so she's like, okay, off to London. I better 
meet Barkworth and get married. But on the way to London, she meets Preston. Well, she re-encounters Preston. That's, this is true. She has met him before. She, she was immediately struck by his figure because he was doing something very manly. He was fixing his carriage and his shirt was open to like his navel, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. So I was picturing, I know it's very much the wrong era, but very much like Marlon Brando as Stanley Kowalski, like the working class clothes on a strapping dude. Absolutely. That is absolutely what I was thinking as well. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. So, which which gives her the the wrong idea that he is that he's you know a, a gentleman, uh, maybe not working class, but not super rich. So she does not realize that he's a duke. Right. She knows he is of good enough ton to keep company with an earl, but that's it. Right. Uh, and so then on the way to London, they reencounter each other. And through plot circumstances, she has to spend the evening alone eating dinner with him. In the, like, it is not scandalous. It is not in the bedroom. I mean, it's scandalous by the era in the same way ruining someone with a kiss was still as scandalous as having sex with them. But modern sensibilities view it very differently. So, yeah, they, they, enjoy, they dine together, but unchaperoned except by her mangy mutt, which, by the way, trope dogs have a sense of character. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like they can tell who the good ones are. Oh, absolutely. And through this lengthy dinner, they get to know each other on a very deep level. And they both leave the dinner smitten with each other. And very confused. And also very confused because she's like, great, I don't really know who this guy is. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever meet him again. And I've got to marry Barkworth in, at this point, three weeks, or I have to go back and slave for my aunt and uncle again for the rest of my life. I thought it was interesting that her biggest concern, and you touched on this in your summary, prior to her evening with Preston, was whether or not this guy was going to be, like, old and ugly. Mm -hmm. And then after her meeting with Preston, her concern changes to, like, what if he doesn't make me feel like that? Right? I like, love how Yes. It was just so good. It is. It's so good. And when she does meet him, she's like, wow, he's almost as good looking as Preston. And she's like, and that's not, that's not an insult. Like, being almost as good looking as Preston means this guy is fine, you know? <laughs> yeah. He's just... um not a good match for her. No, he's not. And I, I actually loved that that's the route Boyle went. It could have really devolved into this villainous guy who is just out for her money and he's going to you know, do these terrible things or, or worse. He could, try, he could have tried to, to make sure he couldn't get out of the marriage, all sorts of things he could have done. But really, he's just kind of boring and straight-laced and Thank not me, a good but not villainously so right I mean, I'm glad. I think in this like light-hearted whimsical as to use your word book I'm really glad they went that route too 
I'm glad he wasn't a villain, but I'm also glad he wasn't a totally wonderful guy, just not one for her. Yes. Yes, who's going to be the hero of the next book. Yes, I'm glad that you kind of got to dismiss him as, like, useless, but not horrific. Yeah, yes, yeah. I I thought it was a great choice. Yes. Uh, and, and then, of course, they, there is a lot of discussion about ruination. If you have listened to our podcast, you know that I am sort of obsessed with this idea. Mm-hmm. And I love romance novels that, that call it out, that talk about it, that look at it in different ways. And I feel like this book did that. And I loved it. Yes, definitely. And there are a lot of contrivances in the ending, obviously, with it being about this Will mystery and her being, like, betrothed against her will to this dude. But suffice it to say that her agency is made absolutely paramount through the whole conclusion in a way I really appreciated. I loved it. Well, and I also loved, too, that his conflict, as Lane was talking about, is that he he has finally gone beyond the pale. So if he steps another toe out of line, he will be ruined in society as well. He's already basically blacklisted right now. Right. And so the question is, is she getting ruined? Is he getting ruined? Are they both ruined? What is ruination? You know, I love that. So I, I, I thought it was great. Yep. So um, did anything offend you that we haven't already touched on? No, honestly, no. Same. This is the most fluffy in a wonderful way book that I, I think it really doesn't touch on anything that serious or dramatic beyond like, you know, it's a Cinderella story. She was a mistreated child, but you don't, it's not, uh, oh God, an offer from a gentleman where you feel like she's being manipulated or used or the abuse is being like, not problematized, but rather just gratuitous. Right, yes, yes. Okay, so that said, nothing offended me. I, you could, someone could argue, if you really wanted to argue this, you could say that, there's no critical thinking about the era. I'm just mentioning this because we've pointed it out before with other authors. That said, I don't care. I loved this book. Yeah, this is not a book. I think it bothers me more in books that try to tackle serious issues. So then to not acknowledge the wider problems of the time feels really weird. Whereas this book isn't trying to do anything serious. So the fact that it's not also like questioning conventional social wisdom didn't bother me at all. Exactly. Yes. That's probably, I think you probably said it better than I could Lane. So thank you. Okay. Um, Was this book sexy? This book does what Elizabeth Boyle does really well, which is it makes you think these characters are going to be good in bed with each other and are really hot for each other. It is a little bit less sex on the page than I expect from Elizabeth Boyle. It is certainly not closed door or prosy. No. 
Oh no, that you. So they they have this dinner with each other and they do make out, uh, and it's a very sexy make out. Uh, and then later they they don't kiss or or really anything, but they sit in a carriage together and just just the fact that they're sitting next to each other in the carriage, like it's still like very there's the sexual tension, right? You might even say it stops traffic. <laughs> yes, you might say that. <laughs> uh, I, I, it was good. It was really good. Uh, and, and then when they do hook up, it's very fun. Yes, and it's it, it, it's very true to the plot. Yes, it's not the full several chapter romp fest Elizabeth Royal sometimes gives you, but like the way this plot is structured, it couldn't have been. There's literally a time limit. <laughs> literally, there's literally a time limit. And then that said, props for interesting location. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I'm not, I'm not joking, you know, like we read a lot of historical romance. When you give us a location we've never seen before, we give points. <laughs> Especially not in this way. Yes. Agreed. And I think we've read a couple of times now where a woman's choice to have sex is directly tied to her perception of her own freedom in some way. Whether it's like choosing to yes. be ruined in the eyes of society or choosing to do this one thing for herself before her choices are taken from her. I think this is one of my favorite takes on the this is not just an impulsive, reckless, we're lost in the moment sex scene, but like a deliberate choice based on circumstances. This still felt really romantic. Yes, it was a deliberate choice based on circumstances, but also spontaneous in the moment swept away it was both yeah. and it was great it was great i really elizabeth boyle always leaves me wanting more that's obviously not a criticism no it's not a criticism it's great so if you're looking for a super fun quick read that's still sexy definitely check out along came a duke and i would Hazard a guess, we'll be reviewing the rest of this series. So if you want to read along with us, this is a good one to start with. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you're enjoying the podcast. And if you are, please rate, review, subscribe, and follow us on the internet at Plot Trips on most social media platforms.